Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everybody. Matt said that it would be just fine if I said, my name's Trent. Hi, everybody. My name's Trent, and I work part-time at Menno Simons Christian School. And I have a shameless plug. If you have kids or know families that have kids that might be interested in going there, talk to me. <laughs> There's my shameless plug. Um, now on to the more important things like, wasn't it nice to see Joe and Mitch up here? I, uh, I just feel bad for them going on that fit thing, fitness thing, CrossFit, some sort of Christian fitness thing, CrossFit. I just look at them and I say, you guys are going to have a long six months trying to get in shape. It's pretty clear just looking at them that uh, they're, not, they're not ready for this. They have no idea what's coming. Um, so anyway, I'll be at the chili lunch if you guys want to talk to me about some pointers on stuff. Do some push-ups and sit-ups and stuff. Carry a cross. <laughs> I just made that stuff up. So I'd like to take, get your attention to the bulletin. Last week when I looked at the bulletin, it said, 16 and pregnant dot, 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 Colton Wilms. (laughs) Today it says, and the father is Trent Burstead. (laughs) Are you kidding me? What a joke. (laughs) I don't know, man, like... It's Fran. I knew as soon as I saw that, this is Fran's doing. She thinks this is some sort of funny gag. I don't find it very funny. My wife finds it less funny, actually. (laughs) Anyway. So, thanks, Matt, for asking me to share this morning. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope hope uh, hope it was a good choice by you. Um, I'd like to tell you a story this morning. Uh, I'd like to tell you a story that has a, it's a bit of a mix. It's got portions from the Bible, obviously, because uh, that's what we're all about here. Um, it's also got some pieces in it from history books, um, some also from ancient writings, uh, you know, 18, 1900 years ago. Stories that didn't necessarily get included in the Bible, but stories that were written shortly after the time of Jesus, which I find really, really interesting. Um, so, yeah, some pieces are dead true uh, in terms of actually happened. Some parts aren't. Some just come from my imagination, things I'd like to think happened. Uh, but the point of the whole thing is to share the truth. I'd like the story um, to share some truth for us this morning. So that's my prayer. So let's pray. Father, would you, would, you, would you do that this morning? Would you uh, share truth with us? Would you uh, help us to learn some things about ourselves and to, uh, to change this morning? Um, and I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart would be pleasing unto you, my Lord and my Redeemer. Amen. So a good story start like this, once upon a time. 
there was a man named Joseph. In Hebrew, he would be called Yosef. Yosef uh, lived in Nazareth. It was a little town, north end of uh, Israel, about 65 kilometers from Jerusalem. And uh, not a big town, about 400, maybe 500 people lived there at the time that Yosef lived. Um, he, was a, he was a carpenter, um, like his dad before him. His dad's name was Jacob. Uh, we, don't, we don't know his mom's name. Um, Yosef was born around 35 B.C. Again, we're not sure the exact date, but sometime around 35 B.C. He was the oldest son. He was the firstborn son. Uh, lots of pressure comes with being a firstborn son in that culture, even more than here. You know, I look at my kids, and I, and I look at other families, and I know, and I'm like, firstborn, responsibility, is in charge, make sure everybody else is doing okay, right? And we carry those weights, even in our culture where you don't, you don't receive the inheritance and have everything passed down to you and all those weights that came along with firstborn. Well, he carried those weights. He tried to do the right thing and he tried to follow the rules. Jacob, his dad, he was a good dad. He certainly didn't mean to put extra pressure on him, but like me, he probably did. Probably added a bit of weight onto Yosef. He'd often say, this is my son, Yosef from the line of kings. We can follow our line all the way back to David, you know. What a tradition we carry. You should be proud and grateful to the Lord, to Adonai. Be good, Yosef. Set at a good example. Obey the law. Set a good example and obey the law. You see, they knew their genealogy all the way back to the great King David. You know, and they knew that the line of David would have a king who would be the Messiah, who would be the great hope for all of Israel. They worked together as Yosef grew up. They worked together in the carpenter shop. He's a good son, Yosef. He learned so quickly and is so good with the customer. We provide so many yokes and plows for so many people these days, business is booming, our reputation grows. Praise be to the Lord. Yosef loved carpentry. He loved to work with his hands. When the day ended and they'd finished all the tasks for the day with his dad, Jacob, he'd just keep working. He'd do side projects. When he was little, he'd make little little camels and donkeys, and he'd play with them. He'd carve stuff out using his dad's tools. As he got older, he gazuntite. As he got older, he would, he, would, uh, he would make different sorts of things. He'd work on little benches and tables and things, you know, things to give as gifts or whatever. He loved it. He couldn't spend enough time in the carpenter shop. One day he got in his head. He's like, I'm going to make a present for my mom. I'm going to make a present for my mom. We're going on, on Passover soon. We, we head off on our pilgrimage, on our journey for Passover. Next week, I, I, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this gift. I'm going to make a little box. It's, I've got it all planned out. I, it's going to have a lid on it that slides on and off. It's going to have a little clip, and it's going to hold her, you know, her precious things, the things she doesn't want to lose on the journey. She's going to be so happy. She's just going to love it. So he worked and worked and worked on this. Every spare second he's working. Well, Friday came, 
and it was almost sunset. And Jacob said, son, let's go clean up. Sabbath is starting here, sundown soon. No working on the Sabbath. You know the law. You know the rules. Keep the Sabbath holy. One of the Ten Commandments, in, in fact. So they cleaned up. And, uh, and, and his parents, Joseph's parents, headed off to a family member, an, an uncle, for, uh, an uncle and aunt for, uh, for the Sabbath dinner that night. And he was all alone, left at home. And he starts thinking. He's like planning it out in his head. He's like, okay, we've got to leave for Passover on this day. And oh man, the day before is busy packing and everything. And then I've got to do this. I've got to do a delivery of these yoke on this. I'm not going to have time to finish. I've got to... I gotta work on I gotta finish this box for my mom tonight. But I can't. It's the Sabbath. No working on the Sabbath. But nobody's home. I'll be really quiet. Nobody'll hear. So he sneaks back and he turns just one light on and he works away and he, he gets it going and he's pouring with sweat. He's sweating because he's working so fast and he's nervous. He's worried somebody's gonna hear or that his mom and dad are gonna walk in. But he finishes. He sets it aside, hides it by his bed, wraps it up in a blanket, cleans up the shop, puts out the light, closes the door, everything is good, nobody knows. He goes to sleep, and in the morning he wakes up to the sound of his neighbor. His neighbor Isaac, oh Isaac, gets mad, and he was yelling at his dad. He's yelling, what? How could you do this? What are you doing working on the Sabbath? Why would you do that? He's like, we weren't even here. I was at my brother's house for, for dinner, for the Sabbath meal. And just as he said that, Yosef walked into the room. And he said, nobody was here, only Yosef. How could you? He looked right in his eyes and he knew. He knew he'd break, broken the Sabbath. And he felt sick. His stomach dropped. Well, trouble came. Priests from the temple got involved. Breaking the Sabbath was a big deal. His family got in trouble. In the end, they didn't have to get kicked out for a period of time from the temple, but it was close. They received discipline as a family, and Yosef received some discipline too, like Matt's three boys not just sent to his room. <laughs> Firm discipline followed. But the worst, far worse than the discipline was his dad's words. Jacob said, how could you do this? How could you shame our family? How could you do this to us? I've always told you, Yosef, be good, set a good example, obey the law. Well, those events... Those events around that week stuck in Yosef's mind and did not leave for a long, long time. He wouldn't make that mistake again. He'd learned his lesson. Well, Yosef, he grew up, took over the family business, ran the carpenter shop. His dad retired. And uh, he continued to focus on yokes and plows, some of the best in the area, in fact. Um, you know, what's interesting, um, there was a city down the road, actually, that the Romans were building up to make a capital. And Yosef worked 
in that city. Oftentimes they figure. And he would go there to work. And business boomed because of this Roman city down the road. Nazareth was a small town, but business boomed because of this city. And days turned into years, and he was 30 years old, and business was good, and things were well. And life was work. And work was life. And it was good. He was fine with it until that day in the market. That day in the market, he's doing a delivery. He's got a yoke to deliver, and he had to go through the market to get to the other side to meet this man at the other side, at the entry to the market on the far side. And he's racing through the market, weaving and bobbing through people, and it's packed with people, and he, there's a bit of an opening, so he just, he's like, oh, here's my chance to pick up some speed. And he comes, and he goes around the corner, and boom, into a young girl. Knocks her basket, all her fruit goes flying, helps her up. He says, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Helps pick her up and says, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. She turned and smiled and said, of course, you didn't know. You couldn't have seen me around the corner. Her face seemed to light up the world. There was this peace in her face that even when something went wrong, she seemed to be okay. He said, I'm Joseph, I'm Joseph, what's your name? Miriam, she said with a smile. We say Mary in English. Well, it's not the last time they'd have been in the market. Not the last time they met in many places around Nazareth. Um, like the front two rows here. Sometimes you find a couple, all manner of places that you never dreamed you'd see them at. Oh, you're here together. Wow. That's what it was like for Yosef and Miriam. I'm not pointing at anybody specifically. <laughs> oh, Yosef and Mary here again. Wow. Well, things moved along pretty good. Their families agreed that this was a good marriage. And they, they decided together that they should be pledged to marry. And it was exciting days. Days, days to dream about the future. Days to plan for uh, uh, a celebration. Thinking about having a family and life together. And it was exciting, right? These, those are the days that you just can never, you can never really replace that sense of anticipation that you have. Um, before you get married. Great future ahead, everything going just as they planned. As an aside, when we live in North America, don't you find that we have this sense that things should go just how we plan all the time? For me, I think there's this underlining idea that things should always go like they're supposed to. We live here and we've got lots and we can do whatever we need to do to keep things going right. You know, when we're, when we're in El Salvador, and lots of us have been down there, they don't live with that sense that everything just should go well for me. There's an underlying sense that things will go hard for me. But we don't live in that world here very often. But isn't it true so often that when everything is going just as we plan, so many things seem to go sideways? Well, they sure did. For, for Mary and for Yosef. One day, Miriam, who we call Mary, said, Yosef, we need to talk. The tone in her voice and the look in her face was serious. This was going to be 
a big deal. She looks stressed. There's still months from the marriage, and she said, meet me at the well, just outside of town, a quiet place to talk, to be alone. Well, fear gripped Mary as she sat at the well waiting. In fact, it was the same well that just days earlier an angel had appeared to her. She'd gone to the well to get water all alone. No one was there, and an angel appeared and told her that she would be the mother of a child and that God was giving that child. Well, as Yosef walked to that well, his whole body was shaking with panic. What's she going to say? What's going on? I've never seen her like that. They sat down and she looked at him in the eyes. She took, her, took his hands and said, I'm pregnant. Time stood still. It was like one of those almost out-of-body experiences for Yosef, where it's like he separates from the two of them sitting there at the well, like he's watching this happen. How could this be? But, but Yosef, I haven't been with a man. I know, I know you, it'll be incredibly hard to believe, but I'm telling the truth. An angel came to me right here at this well and said, I'm highly favored of God. He's chosen me to carry a child that will be the king of Israel. He'll reign forever on the throne of David. How could this be? Yosef was speechless. Why? Mary, how could you? All he could say was, I have to go. And he left. He left Mary sitting at the well. He was hurt. He was embarrassed. What will people think of me? My family's lived here for generations, and never has such a thing happened to my family. We have always done the right thing. It's then that his thoughts went back to that day where he got in trouble for working on the Sabbath. The humiliation that he'd brought to his family, and he thought, I can't do this again to my family. I cannot bring such shame. He heard his dad Jacob's voice ringing in his head. Be good. Set a good example, Yosef. Follow the law. What a predicament Yosef was in, hey? The law said very clearly in Leviticus, if a woman commits adultery, the adulteress is to be put to death. What am I to do? He pondered the options and he thought, I'll break the engagement quietly. Maybe she can go live with family far away, outside of Nazareth, no one will know. Maybe she won't be stoned. You know what I'll take? I'll take the little bit of shame of a divorce, dear, of our engagement, of breaking off an engagement. I'll take that shame, but it'll save my dear Mary. Why is she doing this to me, he thought. So many questions went through his head as he laid, laid awake. Who's the other man? What's wrong with me? What will everybody think? That night he couldn't sleep. In fact, he didn't sleep very well for a lot of nights. 
Weeks went by. Nights were filled with tossing and turning and fear and stress. But one night, finally after drifting to sleep, probably not till two or three in the morning, the Lord appeared to Joseph, to Yosef in a dream. And this is what he said. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. The baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son. Call him Yeshua, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, Hebrew word Yeshua is the word for to save, to restore, to rescue. Well, he woke in a cold sweat. Not every day God talks to you in your dream. Not like this, anyway. Not telling you things that, how am I supposed to believe that? So we had a choice. Divorce. A bit of shame. Or, the hard choice, believe the dream. Do what God said to do. Why was that hard? Well, no one was going to believe their story, right? He didn't believe it until the Lord came to him and dreamed. No one's going to believe their story. By saying to Mary, I will stay with you, what he was saying, without using words, to all the people he'd known and grown up with in this small town, of four or five hundred people was, I'm the father. That's what they would think. Not true, but what they would all believe. So he wrestled. And a few days later, Joseph comes to Mary with his hat in his hand. He says, forgive me. I thought you'd been with some other man. She looked at him with those eyes he'd first seen in the market when he'd ran into her with the plow. Sent her flying. And he said, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And she turned and smiled. Of course. You didn't know. Same words. She'd heard, he'd heard so long ago. Then Mary said, Yosef, I felt the baby kick today. Put your hand here. Feel. You feel that? And they cried. And for a moment, everything was good. Everything was right. And it didn't last very long, did it? We know the story. Off to Bethlehem, pregnant, about to give birth, no room in an inn, a barn, a manger. They head back to Nazareth with Jesus and they live together as a family. A year and a half later, there's a knock at the door and it's magi, wise men from the east. <laughs> what are you doing at my door? You need a yoke? Um, I've got a couple. No, we're here with gifts for the king. What is going on? And they think back to those dreams and they think back to those messages from angels and they think, back to the, they think back to those moments where people in the temple prophesied about this baby. 
And they're like, how can this be? It's so confusing. I don't understand. What has happened? Well, King Herod heard about, from the Magi, I heard about this king that was born in Bethlehem. Um, so he sent uh, out death squads of soldiers to kill all male children under two. And another dream came to Joseph. Leave, flee, go to Egypt. Two years later, another dream to Joseph. Go back, Herod's dead, you're safe. Go back home to Nazareth. By then, Jesus is probably around four years old. And they're leaving Egypt and coming back, back to Israel, back to their home, back to Nazareth. There's this interesting thing that, that us, as we, think, as we hear that story, there's almost like this reenacting of Jesus as he leaves Egypt and comes to the promised land. And so many, many years before, his people had been set free. And something so important about what Jesus did for, for us when he came was to set the captives free. They returned to Nazareth. And after all these events and all these years have gone by, Yosef no longer thinks of Jesus as Mary's child. He just thinks of him as his own kid. Like, as if he was his own flesh and blood. His boy. And like his father said to him before, he said to his son, Jesus, be good, Jesus. Set a good example. Obey the law. Be good. Set a good example. Obey the law. Well, Jesus' growing up years were filled with fascinating events. Some of the stories, just historical stories, may not have happened, may have happened. I like to dream that they did. One such story is Mary is washing clothes down by the river and Jesus is along with her, just four years old at the time. They'd probably just arrived back from Egypt and she's down with the other moms washing clothes at the river and Jesus is playing along the shore and he's collected a whole bunch of clay from the river and he pulls it up and he's got a pile of it and he's forming these little, little birds. I just love these little tiny details and he, the little, he'd use a stick and make little, you know, the beak and the everything and, he'd, and the wings and they were beautiful actually and he'd, and he set them along a log that had washed up on shore. And he set five or six of them along this log. And Mary would look back and make sure that he was there and smile. And yeah, he's there playing away. That's great. So cute. And she's working away. And then out of the corner, uh, she, see, she notices that Jesus stands up. Because she's always got him out of the corner of her eye, right? Mom, always watching. Sees him stand up. And he's got the biggest smile on his face. He is grinning ear to ear. And he is looking at these birds that he's made of clay. And she's like, what's, what's going on? And so she watches so carefully and he claps his hands three times. And the birds come to life and fly away. They fly up over the trees. And Jesus squealed with delight. <laughs> he was so pumped. Look, mom. Did you see them? She comes home and she tells Yosef, he's like, you're not going to believe what I saw today. Guess what, Joe, guess what Jesus did? He's like, I don't believe you. What time is it? You're already in the sauce, hey? You know, Yosef uh, 
loved Jesus like he was his own kid. Over the years, he rarely even thought of him as if not his own. You know, when they, when they went uh, to the temple, you remember that story at the temple where they left and were coming back and they realized three days later on their journey, the 65 kilometers or so back to Nazareth that neither of them had Jesus and they left him behind? Don't tell anybody we've done that a couple times with our kids in various places around the city. But we always have gone back for them. Um, fear gripped Yosef because he loved his son like his own. I like to imagine that as a kid, Jesus seemed to notice things that nobody else did. I imagine that as he walked to the temple with his dad, with his hand in his dad's hand, uh, walked along beside the lepers that sat just outside the gate, and he had so many questions for his dad, Yosef. Dad, when will God heal all those people? Why aren't they allowed inside the temple? Who, who said they're not clean enough? Is it, it's not their fault that they're sick. Doesn't God love them too? Why does he want them kept outside of his house? You know, another story I imagine happened was Yosef walking along the road with Jesus and and there's often beggars on the side of the road that weren't able to work for various reasons and and needed to beg for money to to get enough food to eat. And and they were walking along the road one day and, and and, he's, and, he just, and he notices that Jesus isn't with him anymore. Where'd you go? Jesus, and he looks back, and he's back here with one of the beggars talking. He's like, Jesus, what are you doing? And he sees him hand the beggar a lo- little loaf of bread. Hands it to him, and then he comes running back. Sorry, Dad. I'm coming. He's like, where did you get that bread? We're on the way to the market. We're not on the way home from the market. Did you bring bread from home? How did you get the bread? He's like, oh, my father gave it to me. I was like, didn't give you any bread. What are you talking about? I learned to be a carpenter too, just like his dad, Jesus, did. Like his dad and his dad, Jacob, before him. They made yokes and plows. He took his time. He paid attention to the details. You know, Jesus loved using the piece of wood that no one else wanted to use. You know, they'd cut up the trunk and they'd get the pieces. Oh, this is a good piece. This is a fine piece for a table. Let's make this into a bed. This piece is so full of knots, we can't do anything with it. Set it aside. Jesus would always be pulling out those pieces that no one else, in fact, that Yosef said, don't use. They're not worth using. They're not good for anything. Jesus always seemed to be able to turn them into something beautiful. You know, Justin Martyr was a follower of Jesus who was born in 100 AD. That puts him about 67 years after Jesus died. He wrote wrote things, wrote books. We have some of those documents still today. He wrote that he actually viewed and held some of the yokes that Jesus built. The tradition said that Jesus actually crafted with his own hands. Isn't that the coolest thing? How many of you guys been to Mexico? A few? How many of you look for a board stretcher? 
left-handed hammer. <laughs> Another story that's written in history books that Yosef one day was amazed when he'd cut a piece of wood too short. And grumbling and complaining as he walked back to go to a new piece of wood to cut again, he came back and Jesus had fitted into the bed. And it fit perfectly. So to those of you who have searched for the board stretcher, take heart. Years passed and it's now the year A.D. 18. Jesus was born somewhere around 5 B.C. Yosef was now 53 years old and Jesus was 22. 22 years old the night that he sat in his dad's bed. Yosef had gotten ill, an infection. He'd cut his, cut his hand at work weeks ago now, but it just didn't get better and infected and his hand swelled up and then he just took a turn from the worst. The last week, he'd barely left bed. Fevering, delusional, seeing things, he was sick. And Jesus sat by his bed and Yosef said, with the voice he had left, he said, my son, Jesus, my son, from the line of the line of kings, Jesus. Be good. Set a good example for people and obey the law. The words that he'd said to Jesus so many times, the words that his dad had said to him. But then as Yosef laid there in his bed and he had clarity in that moment and he thought back, his mind drifted to the day at the well with Mary so long ago when all he'd said was, I have to go. I'm leaving. And he said, I remember long ago, Jesus, a memory I still carry, regret over every single day. Your mother came to me with news and I didn't believe her. I wanted to believe her, but I feared what others would think more than what I thought or what God He turned to Jesus and he said, you know what, I've been saying this line my whole life, but don't worry about being a good example, Jesus. Let it go. Don't worry about what people think. Remember instead, and the words came to him from Proverbs that he'd memorized as a child. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And he turned to Jesus and he said, from the line of kings, Jesus, you're from the line of kings, a son of David. Do good. Obey the heart of the law. And please God, not men. Men will let you down, but God won't. Well, a shift happened that night in Yosef. He realized for the first time that he'd acted out that truth of worrying more what God thought than what people thought when he agreed to marry Mary. But he'd never learned how to articulate it. And that night he did to Jesus. Please the Lord, not man. 
don't worry about what people think. Worry instead about what God thinks, he said to Jesus. And, you know, as Jesus thought back on that night, which he did many, 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 many times, he couldn't quite remember when he'd fallen asleep that night, but when he woke up, it was dark, and his dad, his dad was gone, passed away in his sleep. Something shifted in Jesus' heart too that night as he sat by his dad's bed, tears rolling down his face. You know, the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He grew. He learned. He grew that night. His resolve seemed to be set in stone that night. I think he grew up knowing that life was not going to be easy for him one day. But that night he knew, he knew it wasn't going to be easy. He knew that pleasing people wasn't his mission. And his dad had taught him that truth. Years later, you know, Jesus often quoted that verse in his head. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Jesus hung on to that verse. In fact, he heard his dad's voice in his head. Please the Lord, don't please man. He heard that voice in his head as he bent down to write in the sand while all the men dropped the rocks they were holding. And another Mary looked up at, her, up at his face, tears pouring down. And she looked up in disbelief at what he'd done for her. He recited that verse after he healed the lame man on the Sabbath. While the angry religious leaders started yelling at him, he said those words in his head. He heard his dad's voice, you know, as if he was right behind him. Right there, he could hear Yosef. As the soldiers came to him in the garden that night that he was betrayed. Please the Lord, don't try to please man. And he whispered those same words when he caught Peter's eyes across the courtyard. The rooster, rooster's crow echoed for the third time. And Jesus looked across the courtyard and he locked eyes. And he read Peter's lips when Peter said, I don't know. And as he hung on a Roman cross, he prayed in his heart that the words from Proverbs that his dad had told him would come true. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And he prayed that his enemies would be at peace. That's when he looked down and he said, Father, forgive them. I don't know what, they don't know what they're doing. Years after Yosef had passed away, about 11 years later, the band can come up. About 11 years later, so it's around AD 29, 
Jesus stood in the temple in their hometown of Nazareth. It was the first day of his public ministry. Remember that? He, so he goes out, Jesus goes to the desert for 40 days, comes back in, goes to the temple, pulls out the scroll, reads the passage, and then says, oh, this is talking about me. And it's things about the captives being set free. Good news for the poor. And he said, this is all getting fulfilled through me. Well, people didn't like that very much. And you know, the murmuring in the crowd was, isn't that just Joseph's son? Isn't he just the son of the carpenter? Well, they got so mad that they formed a mob and attacked him and drove him out to the edge of the city and there's a cliff at the edge of Nazareth, uh, the edge of a hill, and they were going to push him off. And it says, in the scriptures, it says Jesus just walked through the crowd and left. You know, if Joseph had been there to see those days with his son, I think he'd have thought, yeah, that's the son of the carpenter. That's just Joseph's son. That's my boy. My boy. And if Joseph had been there when the crowd started stirring in the temple and people started getting a little angry and a little louder, I like to think that Joseph would have tapped Jesus on the shoulder and whispered in his ear, Don't forget, Jesus. Please, God. Don't worry about pleasing man. You can do it. And we spent a lot of time crafting the different parts of that story to, to, bring, uh, to bring that story to life for us, to put flesh on the story. too much to it. just want to, if, if God's stirring anything in your heart, um, as usual, we always have prayer available at the front, and so I'll invite our prayer teams forward uh, to my right and your left, and also in the hallway, there's a prayer banner there. Uh, we just love to pray for you if there's anything uh, going on in your life uh, that you'd like to have prayer for in this season. Um, and as we, as we close, I just want to, uh, part of the piece that impacted me as, as Trent was, saying, was sharing the story was courage to obey the voice of the Father and not the voice of man. And uh, it's my prayer for you in this Christmas season that you would have courage. Uh, I think we were tempted to obey the voice of man in so many ways in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, uh, but it's fleeting. And God doesn't promise that it will be easy, um, but he does promise that he has a full life available to us if we have the courage to follow his voice. And so I pray the fullness of that life over you. I pray that his courage would fill uh, you up and that you would have the faith, the faith and the courage to obey God's voice, regardless of what other voices might be around you. So God, we just, uh, we thank you again that you came to earth. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Joseph and Mary, who were folks like us that just had the courage to say yes, to follow your voice. And Lord, we want to be people that say yes. We want to be people that live with courage. Lord, we want to be people that are more interested in pleasing you than being people pleasers. 
Lord, it's our prayer that we, at the end of our lives, would, would hear your voice say, well done, my son, my daughter. Well done. Um, so, Lord, would you fill us with courage, with faith in this Christmas season, that we would be God-pleasers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. We'll see you on uh, Christmas Eve, which is on uh, December 24th this year. Uh, 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock services here.